audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is Dr. Joseph Tuma uh, from Monument Health. And I was really excited just to, to read your short bio here, doctor, because <laughs> there are so many great words in it. You are what's called an interventional cardiologist, correct? That's correct. And you are, uh, according to uh, the website from Monument, an expert in the field of coronary and structural interventional cardiology and peripheral vascular disease. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> when, you got, when you got that first title, that had to feel good. Didn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, that's a, that's a good thing to have. Yeah, that was a series of, uh, a series of training steps a lot to of get work. all those titles. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, right. Now, are you, uh, did I see, are you from Nebraska originally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Rushville, just two hours south Oh, of so yeah. you're very familiar with the area then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you spend any time here growing up or come up to the hills and hang out? Or Oh, yeah. Like we that? would come up every summer for a vacation <laughs> and, um, you know, all of our orthodontist appointments and all <laughs> all doctor here. appointments <laughs> and everything are in Rapid City. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. My whole, uh, my whole life, we... We made frequent trips to the Black Hills. So, so. is that uh, why? Why this, when you were growing up and you were a kid and, and you were thinking about what you were going to be, was this was this on your radar the whole time uh, in a way? So medicine was. You okay, know, it's interesting when I look back. I wrote a paper in eighth grade, a career day paper, seventh grade, eighth <laughs> grade, and uh, and even then I kind of knew I wanted to be a physician. Um, and so uh, when I got to the point of selecting colleges, there was a program at Shattered State called the Rural Health Opportunities Program, which basically you complete three years of undergraduate and then you get accepted into the medical school at University of Nebraska. Oh, I and see. So it worked perfect for me yeah. and the, uh, the setup was perfect. And, and really that was my gateway into the world of medicine. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I, since I was, uh, since I was a little kid, that's kind of all I wanted to do. And, um, just kind of stuck with it. So, so what led you to what is arguably the most important organ in the body then? Yeah. So originally <laughs> when I was in medical school, I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. And I had actually matched in an orthopedic surgery uh, residency. Um, but kind of, you know, after I got into it a little bit more, I was just fascinated by the complexity of the heart and um, and decided that would be more my more my speed. And, and you know, interventional cardiology in particular, one of the things I think that's most um, gratifying is that people come very sick. You know, they come, they're having a heart attack. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously not going to do well if you don't fix it. And with a little tiny puncture and a catheter and you can put a stint in and in an hour they're, they're fixed. And so, um, you know, it's just an immediate gratification type of thing. And, and that's exciting. And there's an adrenaline, you know, rush that goes with that. And um, but the ability to, to make such a big difference in such a short amount of time, I think, was a lot of what drew me to that. So this is, you're, you're dealing with uh, people that are in pretty serious condition then with their heart. Right. You're kind of on the more serious end of this then. Yeah, a lot of the, when they, at least when they present acutely, you know, mm-hmm. when they present having a heart attack or they, you know, suddenly block off an artery in the leg or something, you know, those are, it's kind of, time is of the essence and you have to, very quickly restore blood flow. Um, 
On the other hand, there are a lot of things we, we treat very um, sort of conservatively, I guess I would say, where we decide to treat with medications or, or you know, lifestyle changes and that type of thing. So it's really the whole spectrum from routine clinic visits all the way to somebody who's really in big trouble and needs to be, needs to be fixed right away. Or somebody that might need what we're about to talk about here on this right. podcast, which is, it's it's fascinating. It seems simple too, in right. a way, right. uh, if if you watch this at all. But it's called TAVR. And right. can you explain a little bit about uh, of that, Doctor Toma? Sure, sure. TAVR stands for transcatheter aortic valve replacement. <laughs> I wasn't um, going to say it. <laughs> um, and so, and it, you know, and that's actually a really good way of putting it. It is sort of simple. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it, the the procedure itself and the concept is simple. Getting, um, you know, getting it down to a to a procedure that can be done consistently and with, uh, um, you know, a minimal complication rate has taken a long time. Um, but yeah, we're there, and I, I mean, it's been available in the in the U.S. commercially at least since around 2012. Okay. Um, we started doing it at Monument in December of 2014. Now, who who would be a candidate for a procedure like this? So the, it's the TAVR procedure specifically for, per, for people with severe symptomatic narrowing of the aortic valve. And, um, and, and that's the one that pushes the blood out or in? Out. Out, okay. Yep, yep, all the blood that goes to the body that's pumped out from the heart goes through the aortic valve. Okay. So as that valve gets more and more narrow, um, you know, you don't as effectively pump blood to the body and also puts a tremendous amount of strain on the heart. The heart has to work harder to push blood out either one of those can cause problems. And so once symptoms start to develop, um, it's time to fix the valve. And, and it started out originally in the, in the early part of the procedure, 2013-14, uh, where only people that were not surgical candidates were candidates for the transcatheter valve procedure. And then as it's evolved, as the devices have iterated, um, it's now really approved for anybody. I mean, uh, you know, low risk, intermediate risk, high risk, and the way we do it is we assess every single patient as part of what we call our heart team, which is myself, our imaging cardiologist, and then our cardiac surgeon, along with our um, advanced practice providers. Um, so every single patient is evaluated that way. Um, there still are a number of patients where surgery is a better option um, for a variety of reasons. If the, if the valve won't work or the anatomy doesn't allow us to get the valve in or there's so much calcium on the valve that, you know, we just have to go in and take it out. Mm-hmm. So surgery is still a, a, an option in a, in a number of people, and that's what our heart team really sits down and decides. So, so is this something that is, is, is a better option than a valve replacement? Is... So it's, you know, technically it is a valve replacement. Okay. So, so what we're doing is we basically um, put a tiny little guide wire across the narrowed valve, and with the transcatheter valve, you're putting a new valve in, and basically what it does is push the old valve out of the way. It's amazing. So we, we put it in, and there's two different styles of valve. One is balloon expandable. So you put it across the old valve, very rapidly inflate a balloon, and it deploys the new valve. The other one is self-expanding. It's made of a nickel-titanium alloy, which has the properties of a slinky. Right. And so what we do is we put it in place and then pull a catheter back, and the valve flowers out, and, but again, pushes the old valve out of the way. And so, so it's a valve replacement. It's not necessarily better than surgery. Most of the studies would sort of suggest it's as good as surgery. And so the benefit is you get the, 
you know, the benefit of a new valve without having to go through open heart surgery. Well, and it seems, uh, again, and I would encourage uh, I would encourage anybody to search for a video of this being done. Right. I would recommend the animated version of it, though, <laughs> unless if you got a weak stomach, uh, which is the one that I looked at. <laughs> um, but it it's it's a very it it seems what's how long does it take to do this once they're prepped and ready? Yeah, once they're prepped and ready, you know, we we put a tremendous amount of time into planning. Mm-hmm. And so everybody has uh, what we call a TAVR CT angiogram, a CAT scan of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. And so going into the case, before every uh, TAVR day, we usually do them in, in two or three a day, we sit down with everybody, with anesthesia, with surgery, with our cath lab staff, our surgery staff, um, and come up with a case plan on everybody. So with that, we say we're going to use, you know, what route we're going to put it in, what size of valve, any anticipated problems based on the imaging, so we have a very detailed case plan going in, and then when we start the procedure, we basically you know execute mm-hmm. the plan. Um, and so on average, our average case time is about 60, 70 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, compared to how that used to be, uh, I mean, you were, because you, um, there have been 500 of these done here in Rapid City. Right. You have done all 500 of them. Right. Correct? Right. So before that, you obviously were doing something else. So you've seen the change of this happen. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, to you, are you are you kind of amazed at the procedure and, and the quickness of it and the recovery rate with oh, it? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, even even after 500, and I, you know, with our surgical team, I've been involved in, in all of them here at Monument. Um and, you know, as you get more comfortable with the procedure, as the devices get better, um, yeah, I mean, even even today, it's still sometimes astonishing to go see those people the next day, and they're up walking around and in their street clothes and ready to go home. So, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what is, speaking of that, what is kind of the recovery time then for something like this? So after the procedure, um, you know, typically what we'll do is watch people in the, in the post-operative, the PACU, the uh, post-operative or post-anesthesia care unit for a couple of hours. Um, and then they go to the step-down unit. We don't often send people to the ICU anymore. They have bed rest for six to seven hours to let the puncture site mm-hmm. in the leg heal. Um, and then they can get up and start moving around. And, and um, the majority of the people are, are awake and starting to, um, you know, let the anesthesia wear off in the, in the room. As soon as we're right. done with the procedure, they start to wake them up. Um, and about 75% of our people go home the next day. So yeah, that's amazing. Basically, come in, get it done, and go home the next day. Our restrictions really are uh, lifting restriction. Don't lift anything over 10 pounds for a week or so. Um, kind of have to take it easy just to let the puncture site heal. But that's really about it for restrictions. So when when you have an issue with that that valve, can you feel it? Is it is it something that it's noticeable? Yeah, it's so. What's interesting about the aortic valve is it has a pretty predictable series of symptoms. Okay. And typically starts out with shortness of breath with exertion, where people just start to feel like they can't do what they used to do. Um, and then the next thing that usually happens is they can start to get dizzy spells, lightheadedness, um, which is sort of you know starts to become alarming. Can even advance to a point where they pass out. Um, okay. They can start to get chest pain, chest pressure, chest tightness particularly with exertion. Mm-hmm. And then as the disease progresses, the heart will eventually start to fail. And so the kind of the end of the road with aortic stenosis or narrowing of the aortic valve is heart failure, where you start to fill up with fluid, the lungs fill up with fluid. Um, so, you know, the shortness of breath with exertion sometimes is hard to sort that out. A lot of times people just say, oh, you know, I'm getting older. Right. And I'm not working out as not much. Not working out as much. Gym. And out of shape. And, <laughs> but really the, the murmur 
that the that the narrowed valve cause is very distinct okay. and it's very easy to hear. So a lot of our referring um, providers pick up on that right away, and and they do a great job of, you know, the patient's telling them they have these symptoms. They listen to the heart and they say, wait a minute, you know, you have a heart murmur. We need to get you in to see the heart team. And so, um, and it all starts with an echo, the heart ultrasound. You know, 99 out of 100 times, that's how we pick it up. And then we just kind of take it from there. So, so I can't imagine after that procedure is done, they must also be able to feel so much better yeah. when that valve is open and working. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the other thing with TAVR that's so gratifying is people come in, they aren't feeling well, they're not doing the things they used to do, they're pretty disabled. And because they don't have to recover from an open heart surgery, you know, the next day they're up running around and they feel so much better. And you got to calm them down a little. Just oh, like, yeah. Hold yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, because some you really I mean, some have been, you know, we've had a few people who really are, you know, moved to tears oh, because they feel so much better. And yeah. they, you know, they felt like they were like they weren't going to make it another <laughs> um, you know, another six months, or I'm not going to see my granddaughter graduate. Those are all, all stories I've heard. And the next day, they're like, Man, this is great. This is great. You know? Well, so that that must be, I mean, this procedure, is it is it is it specialized enough to where, you know, you have to go to bigger cities to have it done? And, and having it here in Rapid City, does that, I mean, that, that's a big deal for our community then, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I sort of anticipated that this was going to become a big procedure way back. And I will say the administration, you know, this is a, to get this up and running takes a tremendous amount of administrative support. It's expensive. It requires a dedicated team, um, you know, and essentially our TAVR cases, the entire OR team, the heart team is in the room, the cardiology team is in the room, anesthesia is in the room. I mean, you know, we still to this day have 15 or 20 people in the room for every single oh, case. Oh, wow. So it takes a lot of resources, but... Um, you know, to be able to offer it here is a tremendous advantage because, you know, before we started, the only places that we were kind of right in line with Sioux Falls. Um, but, you know, people would have to go to Denver yeah. or Mayo Clinic or Minneapolis. And the people with n- narrowed valve and they may have transportation issues. And it's not so easy to get to Minneapolis to get a valve done. Boy, no kidding. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was very uh, adamant that we offer the procedure here. And um, we luckily got in, you know, got in the business early on. So, well, you have to be. It has to be exciting to be in any sort of field that deals with the heart. You know, the 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 advancements that have been made over the the decades just seem to be almost too fast, right? Oh, with what man. you guys are, what you guys can accomplish. Do you see? Do, what what do you see in the future for this? And what do you what do you think ultimately? What would you love to see with something like this or a procedure like this? Yeah, it's it's you're right. It is almost too fast, <laughs> you know. Because well, I mean that's great though. We don't need to make ever make everyone aware that yes, that's a very positive thing. It's hard to keep up, you know. And and cardiology as has it advances so fast, you know that as as fellows come out of training, we're now sort of super specialized, where people will come out of training and they just do structural heart disease, or they just do interventions on the coronary arteries, um, or they just do heart rhythm procedures. They don't really do other cardiology procedures wow. because it's so specialized. And um, in the world of structural heart disease in particular, it's, it's advancing at an unbelievable pace. I think, you know, the clinical trials will be a part of one of the clinical trials that's it's, uh, it's coming up there. It's actually one of 10 centers in the U.S., um, will be one of them that's evaluating really? the TAVR procedure in moderate narrowing of the valve 
in patients with symptoms. So there's no indication for that now, but well, the, yeah. the data suggests that they do just about as poorly if you don't treat the valve as somebody with with severe narrowing of the valve. And so, so getting to it quicker then is just, I mean, just light years better. Obviously. Better for the patient, yeah. the survival, you know, if at least according to the data we have is probably going to be better. You know, we assume that's going to be the case. Right. Um, there are studies out there that are looking at people without symptoms that have a severely narrowed valve and fixing those as well. Um, and that's just the aortic valve. Mm-hmm. The the field in the mitral valve space is advancing at an unbelievable pace. There are something like 30 or 40 uh, devices out there that are being studied and developed. And the tricuspid valve has devices that are being developed. And Man. yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Do you, uh, you know, let's let's uh, let's talk to some, some of these kids that may be considering going into a field like this. Um, it sounds like the opportunities there are going to be fantastic for oh, yeah. the, the new changes that are happening and the new discoveries that are being made. And, you know, maybe somebody like you wanted to, you know, be orthopedic. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> How much cooler is it to work on somebody's heart, <laughs> right? Uh, and, it, I mean, like you said, it, it has to be so gratifying because uh, I think heart disease is still the number one killer yeah. of people in the in, in the world. Right, in the U.S. Even. in particular. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that has to be... Uh, just a fulfilling line of work to do to see what you're doing make a, such a difference. Yeah, I always say, you know, it's it's I cannot see myself doing anything else. Yeah. Um, um, I love what I do, and I wouldn't change a thing. You know, it's it's one of those things that you kind of gravitate towards, and and you know, the structural heart thing is something that I kind of evolved into even after I started my my practice here in right. Rapid City. Um, but to the young people out there, I mean, you know, medical school is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's cost associated with it. But, you know, if it's something you're passionate about, um, man, it's it's there's nothing better than having a job that you can't wait to get to every day. <laughs> yeah. You know? Now, are you a, are you a doctor that uh, uses uh, playlists uh, when you're when you're working on people? Do you? Oh have- yeah. Do you have uh, a list you would like to share with us, Doctor Tuma? What do you What do you like to listen to uh, well, when, the, when you're inside somebody's heart? So the funniest part about me is everybody I work with knows I have two rules. Okay. No country music <laughs> and no Christmas music. All right, I'm with you on the Christmas music part. All right, it's funny because. The doctors that we've asked this question to, almost all of them say no country music. Yeah. You're from Nebraska. I know. What's, I know. What happened to you? I think I was inundated with it when <laughs> yeah, I was in Nebraska, be. so it ruined me. <laughs> that could be it. But uh, my, uh, my playlist is, is a lot of, uh, believe it or not, a lot of uh, 90s rap. Is, uh, oh, I can uh, respect that. That's what I listen to. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, Snoop Dogg and Tupac. Yeah. Are and, you going to you a know. show then? I'm uh, not. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. uh, so. Well, Dr. Tuma, thank you so much for talking with us about uh, Taber. And I think that'll answer a lot of people's questions. And, uh, you know, when they listen to this and, and, and maybe if they experience that or if they know people that are experiencing this, we have here in Rapid City at Monument specifically – just a wonder, uh, a wonderful, you know, uh, heart uh, uh, institute and, and, and place for people to come get the answers and help they need. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our whole team is phenomenal, uh, all the way from, um, you know, our nursing staff, our, our imaging cardiologists and general cardiologists are top notch, um, on through the interventionalists and the cath lab staff. Our surgical team is, is, also, uh, is also fantastic. I mean, with TAVR and some of our surgical data, we have 
you know, uh, outcomes that are comparable to anybody in the country. Excellent. Um, and so to offer that, you know, right here at home is, is great. It's so. very comforting, yes. So again, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Tuma, for talking with us. Absolutely. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Haddon, engineered by Chris Jaquist, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.